Welcome to the Wolf Whistle, the podcast that interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club, Wolverhampton Wanderers. Welcome to the Wolf Whistle. Welcome to the 70th edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. We're going back into the 90s today for a centre-half, A.D. Williams, 36 appearances for the Wolves between 1996 and 2000 and one goal. And what a very, very important goal it was. A.D., how are you? Well, when I listen to that introduction, it, it gets me every time. You know, my biggest regret is the four years I spent at Wolves because of injury. And when you say 36 appearances, I cringe. I really do. But, you know, that's football and that's life. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very good. Thank you. I hope everyone else is obviously strange times. But, uh, yeah, all good with me down south. Good, good, good. I mean, AD, to be honest, um, we'll, we'll, we'll start in a minute um, on how your career started. But for me as a Wolves fan, obviously, that was my era, the mid-90s. And I do remember signing you. And, and for, for me, you know, it was a, a big signing at the time. Um, you, you know, Wolves have got a good history of centre-halves. And I think at the time there was Keith Curl at the club. But, and you think, you know what, I thought it was a really, really positive move. But it just didn't quite work out for you, did it? No, it was it was a brilliant move for me, you know, and I'm not just saying it's Wolves when I was growing up was always deemed as a you know, a big club, uh, steeped in history and tradition. I've had some brilliant players over the years, you go right back and that's one thing I've always prided myself on, whatever football club I go to. You know, I, I learn about the history and tradition because I think it's important. And, uh, you know, right back to Billy Wright and the legends of John Richards and obviously Steve Ball, he was at the club at the time, yeah. you, you know, and it was a big move for me and my family. And I was so looking forward to it. I was joining up with Mark McGee, uh, Claudine Lee and the backroom staff. Obviously, I worked with at Reading and, you know, we were going to have a go at it. We were looking to get promoted into the big time and... You know, it just went wrong from the very first... Well, I wouldn't even say the very first game. I didn't even get to the game. I got to uh, Austria, I think it was, on pre-season tour, signed in the June, and in the July we flew out to, to Austria. And, you know, I ruptured my ACL, my ACL, my anterior cruciate ligament, you know, in the first day or two training. And when you hear the, the pop, yeah. and it is a pop, trust me, you just know that the minimum is sort of six, seven, eight months, and you've just signed for a club, and... Oh, it was depressing. It was horrible. I oh, just just hated it. Hated it, really. And, you know, you've just got to dig in and, and think, well, do you know what? What will be? I've still got another three years to prove myself and this, that, yeah. and the other. And it just was one thing after another. And uh, it, like I say, in, in football terms, regrets, injuries at Wolves. And, you know, I was embarrassed, Jase. I was embarrassed when I saw the chairman and Sir Jack and, uh, you know, his family and the chief exec at the time and the directors, I was embarrassed. They were, they bought me and they had faith in me yeah. and they gave me good money and good wages. And it was like, I was just injured and I won't be the first. Well, I wasn't the first. I won't be the last. That's just how sometimes it gets you. But yeah, it was a, a really frustrating time at a really good time of my life as well. You know, when I should have been, maybe somewhere near the peak of my career. Yeah, yeah, I mean, listen, you talked about some of the club legends at Wolves then. You yourself were a club legend at Reading, making your debut in 1989. Now, Reading is your hometown club AD. Uh, you've made in excess of 300 appearances for them. So, I always like to uh, cast the clock back as to when you very first got spotted um, and what was it like to make your debut for your hometown club? Yeah, well, you know, growing up, I was born in Reading in the Royal Berkshire Hospital in the town centre, so it was my club, and I always wanted to play for Reading. Back then, they were in the lower divisions, but Elm Park still had that sparkle for me as a young kid, the floodlights stand in the South Bank, and, you know, I was 17 when I made my debut for Reading, and I was lucky, really, in a, in a, in a way. There was three or four of us that were playing local football when we were, like, 12, 13 years of age, and for some unknown reason... The manager of our local side was a, a first teamer in the first 
team squad at Reading, uh, a gentleman called Steve Wood, yeah. who went on to play for Southampton and Millwall, blonde centre-half, yes. you know, a real good guy. And he, for some reason, he just managed our team. So, you know, when Woody was our manager, and like I say, we were sort of 12, 13, he recommended probably four, five, half a dozen of us to go training with the kids at Reading. And it took off from there. So that was the door opening. Even at that age, you need that little bit of Donald Duck. And, yes. you know, I, I, I had it with Woody. And, you know, I played 399 games for Reading in the end. So... Wow. It's amazing that you can play that many games for one club, yet you go to another one and you play 36 in four years. I mean, that must be an absolute frustration. What's also pretty impressive, AD, and I did speak you know, uh, to you about before the interview, you've actually played every position, including an emergent, as an emergency goalkeeper uh, for Reading. Yeah, and uh, you know what? It's something I'm proud of. Uh, I mean, even at Wolves when I was there, there was players like Neil Emblem, you know, was very, yeah. very versatile and, you know, would play midfield, play fullback, play as a sweeper, play as a centre-half, even do a job up front. And, you know, it was similar to myself and I I have played in every position and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm not sure I've played well in every position. That's a different <laughs> conversation. But, you know, the, the one thing that I'm proud of, which will never be broken now because... Obviously, for some time now, we've had squad numbers. So, yes. you know, I've played every number. I played one, two, three, right through to 11. Brilliant. And, uh, you know, it'll never be beaten now because, like I say, we've got squad numbers and, and football's vastly different in the modern day. So, yeah, it's something I'm proud. No one else has achieved it, I don't think. And, you know, I've got the picture in the scrapbook with all the shirts, all the numbers and... You know, if I ever lose that, my mum will pop up with another one, I'm sure, somewhere. Oh, brilliant. I mean, what's interesting, AD, it must be the uh, playing emergency goalkeeper. What happened then and did you have much to do? Yeah, I remember it, actually. It's a long time ago now, but I think our regular goalkeeper may have been Steve Francis at the time. And uh, a good keeper, Steve, great lad, and uh, he got injured and we was at Craven Cottage, Fulham, I remember it. And uh, we ended up getting beat 1-0. And I remember the goal, it was a corner, and I sort of half come, half stopped, half come, half stopped. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say it was down to me, but maybe, you know, a regular goalkeeper would have come out and, I don't know, punch three or four people out of the way and clear yeah. the danger. But uh, you could do that, by the way, in those days as well. But, yeah, I mean, fond memories, but just, just going back to Wall, I just wish that, you know, I'm sure at times we've all been here, whether it's life, whether it's our job, whether it's a personal life, whether it's our kid, whatever it is, yes. to turn the clock back. But you never can. You know, I, I always wanted to have a good run in the team and not even for myself, Jace. You know, I just wanted to prove to the Wolves fans that, you know what, the club um, showed me loyalty and had trust and faith in me. And I just wanted to give a little bit back, but I, I, I never was able to really. Now, that, that move, um, it was big money at the time, £750,000. It was Mark McGee that signed you. You'd worked with Mark at Reading. And to be fair to Mark, he had a knack of going back to his former clubs and raiding them. And he did that from his from his time at Wolves when he went back uh, to Leicester for players, went back to Reading for players. Um, so from your point of view, you've, you've, you know, listen, Wolves are an ambitious club. You want to play at the highest level, the Premier League. You thought that was the vehicle to get there. Initially, though, what, what was your relationship like with Mark McGee? Um, and, and he clearly had a lot of faith in you, didn't he, AD? I like Mark. I liked him as a, as a bloke and I liked him as a manager. And he was good for me and he was good for Reading. And we had a good team then, Jace. You know, yes. It, it, a lot of people would have said, oh, little old Reading at that time. And we got to the playoff final against Bolton. And we, you know, we finished second in the table that, that year in the championship, if you like. It was yes. the only time ever the championship stroke League One at that time that the top two didn't go up so you know how unlucky were we because you know by right we should have gone up and everybody would have heard of Shaka Hislop at the time yeah. and uh, Simon Osborne and Scotty Taylor and Jimmy Quinn and and you know these people Michael Jilks you know yes. we had a good Mick Goodin we had a very good side and uh, I sort of look at my days let's just talk about Mark so so he, he was good for Reading. He, he, he took Reading to the next level. He was young at the time when he arrived. I think he was a, a player manager at the time. And, yeah. you know, we were little old Reading in those days playing at Elm Park. And all of a sudden, this fella's come in. He was, you know, Celtic, a Newcastle. Uh, I think he played in uh, Germany. Was it Hamburg? Or yes, Bayern? that's or right. Yeah, yeah, it was Hamburg. Yeah. 
Yeah, Hamburg. Uh, you know, and he was a big name and he was a goal scorer and he played at Aberdeen and yeah. he played under Alex Fer Sir Alex Ferguson. And, you know, when he was at Newcastle, it was McGee and Quinn banging in goals for fun. So when this fellow arrived, it was like, it was a bit of a well factor for us at the time. And, you know, he lived up to his promise, if you like, for me. I, you know, I really enjoyed him. He's very dry, you know, good sense of humour. Yeah. And you've got to remember how long ago we're talking now. You know, football and, and life and, and society is vastly different now to, to how it was in those days. But, you know, he was good for me. He made me captain very early on in my career. I was a young captain and uh, he had faith in me. And, you know, when he said to me, obviously, he left Reading, went to Leicester and then went to Wolves and said, look, would you be interested? And why wouldn't I be interested? Because, you know, at that time and, you know, Wolves were head and shoulders above Reading in terms of a big club and their, and a history. Obviously, now Reading have been in the Premier League a couple of times. Yeah. You know, Wolves have been doing fantastic, which is great over the last few years themselves in the in the big time. So, yeah, it was it was a big carrot for me and one that I couldn't wait to, 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 to sign and, and get going. I signed, but I certainly didn't get going. <laughs> I mean, what what's interesting, I, I did look back at some statistics from your first season, 96-97, and in your first six games, um, we won five. Now, that, you know, Good obviously player, that's... That, sorry? Good player, that's why. Hey, listen, AD, <laughs> make no <laughs> mistake. Like I said, genuinely, I was really, really excited about the signing. Right. Um, and, and, and for that start for you as a centre-half, um, I think there's a few clean sheets in there as well. Uh, I mean, that, that that's a dream start, really, isn't it? Yeah, but like I say, it took, I don't know, what, seven, eight months or whatever it was for me to, to get going. Yeah. And, um, you know, with the an ACL injury again in those days, it's, it's a long, it still is now, but it's a long rehab. And, yeah. you know, they, they took a graft of my hamstring to replace the ligament in my knee. I came back after, what, six, seven games or so, and then I tore my hamstring in two places. And that was, that was a bad tear as well. So there was a weakness with the hamstring where the graft was. So, you know, it was just stop, stop. Well, it made me stop, really. And, you know, I just wanted to prove to, to the fans. You do. You, you want to prove to the fans because, you know, if there's no fans, there's no football club. Yeah. for me and it's all about the fans and I just wanted to prove to them that you know what he didn't make a, a mistake signing me and you know I wasn't a bad player at the time and I you know was hopefully going to go places but it's, it's weird Jace because when I played against Wolves when I you know left Wolves yeah. you know I was still fairly young and I, I came back with commentary I came back with Reading I came yeah, back with yeah. and I, I sort of played quite well against Wolves and you know, it's always nice when you play well against your former clubs. And it was almost like, well, at least I sort of showed them a little bit. I remember, yeah. I think it was Boxing Day at the Rico Arena for Coventry. I think we won, Coventry won 1-0. And, you know, I had a really good game, had a decent game, clean sheet. Big crowd in the Rico that day yeah. as well. Nice stadium. You know? Yeah, I, I even remember coming back with Millwall at the time. Colin Lee was, was the manager of Millwall. He got me back on loan there and... I think Millwall was struggling at the time and we, we went to Molyneux one evening and I think we beat you 2-1, which was a big result. And, you know, I played in that one and, you know, played fairly well, kept the, the strikers pretty quiet that night for Wolves. Yeah. And, you know, with Reading as well, I, I, I did that, you know, I think before the move and, and, and possibly after the move as well. So, although I was fairly pleased with my performances at Molyneux, <laughs> I wasn't particularly pleased in the, in the Wolves shirt, if that makes sense. I mean... That season, the first season, it culminated in the playoffs. We played Crystal Palace, first leg. Really, I think that that that, that was what done us. Um, we lost 3-1 uh, away. Home 2-1, your solitary goal for Wolves. Um, from your point of view, AD, uh, look, when you get to the playoffs, you are thinking about the final. You are thinking about promotion. But I think it was the first leg, because um, you played in both legs, it was the first leg, really, that we come undone. Oh, yeah, Crystal Palace. Yeah, I remember it. Dougie Freeman, of course, yeah. who was a teammate of mine after that. You yeah. know, Dougie was a good player. He scored a couple of really good goals. And, yeah, when you, when you go 3-1 down after the first leg, you know, obviously the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of the second leg, you want to get on the score sheet. You want to get the crowd behind you. But, in fairness, if you concede three goals in the first leg, you're asking for trouble. Yeah. You know, my my 
my goal was right at the end of the second leg. It was meaningless, really. It doesn't matter if you score a goal and you don't get to Wembley. It means nothing. And, uh, you know, that was one of the low points with the injuries for me. It, it really was. But do you, do you know what, Jase? I don't know whether I'm being controversial here or not. Although I felt we had some really good players at that era, you know, yeah. on paper. Really good players of that ilk, you know, in a championship, you think, well, if you put him and him and him and him and him and him and on the team sheet, then yeah. you've got a chance. I never, and it's not hindsight, I just never, although individuals, we probably had a really good squad compared with everyone else in the league, but I never felt it was a good balance of a team. Now, I come from Reading, where there was no superstars, but you know, trust me, we were a good side. We just gelled and it just clicked. And sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. I felt, you know, even when I was injured, obviously, you know, I was on a treatment table and watching it. So I, I, I wasn't like bitter that I wasn't in the team or anything like that. Yeah. I just wanted the lads to win football matches. I know I'm going to be out for six months. I don't want the lads to lose. I want them to win football matches. And I was watching it and I just, we was always sort of fighting to be, consistent if that makes sense yes. do you know what I mean we win one lose one draw one win one lose two yeah, and I was thinking we never we never really gel. we never really clicked it never really kicked off at that period for me that's just my opinion now, and AD I don't think that's controversial at all because I've interviewed a lot of players from your era um, one being Simon Osborne and, and he pretty much made the same comment on paper we had a good enough side of, of probably winning that league realistically mm. there was a really good team everything was right off the pitch with the stadium, etc. But yeah. we, we, we did, we, we fell at the final hurdle and I believe 94-95 in the semis against Bolton. Uh, and that was the season, obviously, you played for Reading in the playoffs. Um, yeah. So it was such a frustrating time with the players we had at our disposal. But you're quite right, consistency, we lacked massively. Yeah, we did. And, and it was such a shame because, it, you know, everything was there. I, I love the club. I, 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 I moved... You know, I didn't move into Wolverhampton. I, I lived in a place called Droitwich, which yeah, you yeah, know yeah. was just off the M5 for me. Obviously, my, my wife was literally um, gave birth to our son, who's now 24. That's how long ago it was. And, uh, <laughs> Probably you know, showing your age now, Aidy. <laughs> yeah, literally, literally moved to Droitwich like a week later. You know, yeah. with my son being, a, you know, so w we moved up there to Droitwich. We met some lovely people. Loved the football club, loved Molyneux. You know, Molyneux was one of the big stadiums in the championship yes. at the time. And loved playing there for Reading. You know, we we had some good performances at Molyneux in the Reading shirt. But like I say, that era, I mean, it, it's quite ironic, actually, because you mentioned Keith Curl yes. and, and McGee going back for Curl. But I actually, well, Curl would never have signed for Reading unless I got injured. He signed because I got injured. Now, I used to clean Keith Curl's boots at Reading. When oh, I was really? When I was an apprentice at Reading, 15, 16 years of age, Keith Curl was a, a senior pro down there. Obviously, he's a bit older than me, Curly. And uh, I was his YTS boy. I was his apprentice. I looked after Curly. I used to clean his boots, get his car clean, whatever it was. So it was quite strange when I got injured. The gaffer said to me, I'm going to sign Curly. I said, well, that'd be great to see him. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it's a funny old game football, someone it, once said. It is. And, and you know, what was interesting as well is you played with another player, sadly, uh, no longer with us, Dean Richards. Mm. Yeah, well, well, yeah, oh, don't because Dino is just such a lovely, lovely lad, you know, very quiet and he kept himself to himself and, you know, he never said a bad word about anybody. He was just there and everyone, you know, had respect for him as a player, very good player. Obviously, he got a good move to Spurs. Yes. And, yeah. um, oh, tragic. Tra when I, you know what? When I, oh, I don't even want to talk about it, Jay. When I heard that, it was just... Tragic, you know, I, I know one of the boys or a couple of boys that I was pretty close to was closer to, to Dino than me because, you know, they lived in the area yeah, uh, and they mixed socially with him, you know, the likes of Steve Sedgley was quite close with Dino and uh, Michael Jilts got close with Dino and that and it was just, you know, sad, very, very sad, but uh, a great player, should oh. never, will never be forgotten. Unbelievable player. Um, and also another one, you've already mentioned him, Mr. Steve Ball. I mean, listen, as a centre-half, you've obviously played against Bully. What was he like to, you know, A, what was he like as a teammate and what was he like to play against? Well, when you go to Wolves, 
you know, at that period, is Bully. You know, Bully yeah. got involved with England and Steve Ball, you know, bangs it in goals every year, you know, top goal scorer for the last however long. Bully, 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 absolutely. But I've got to be honest, when I met the fella, I liked him even more. I did. <laughs> you know, there was nothing arrogant about Bully, although he was the kiddie, let's be honest. You know, I can say that. He probably would say it, but I can say it. he was the kiddie. It was all about Bully. And, yeah. you know, I, I, he's a local... He was a little bit... He's more of a legend, don't get me wrong. But, you know, he was a local fella to Wolves like I was to Reading. And, you know, he would socialise in the area. All the fans could relate to him. He was a working class fellow. He knew the score. He would talk to anybody. And, he, he you know, he welcomed me. And I got on well with Bully, I think. Uh, uh, no problems whatsoever. And I've seen him a couple of times since. Yeah. You know, I know he does his sort of ambassador role we used yes. to do and the games and you know I, I, I've seen him at matches and he's kept himself in good shape hopefully I have as well and I just when I met the fella regardless to a, a legend a living legend a playing legend at that time in the dressing room you know God really let's be honest to the mm-hmm. fans yes. right, rightly so but you know what people are more important to me and before footballers and people forget that footballers are human beings they've got emotions they've got feelings they've got family yes but you know what he was just a top man he was top I'm not just saying that he was top man never had a bad word with Billy ever ever I don't think I ever will well very very kind words I know he listens to a few of the podcasts eh? so, we'll, uh, so it's good <laughs> Good, you had positive things to say about him. I mean, the the next season, obviously we'll come on to Bully now, 97-98, uh, you made 20 appearances, including two of your appearances were in the FA Cup, that fantastic run we had, quarter-final against Leeds, we won 1-0, Superdome got the goal, and the semi-final against Arsenal, you played in that game as well. Um, listen, we, we lost 1-0 in that game. There was a, I spoke to Colin Lee about this as well. And to this day, he can't remember why they did it. But obviously, that it was sacrilege at the time. They dropped Bully and Robbie Keane. Yeah. And listen, yeah. no, no disrespect to Steve Claridge. He played up top on his own. Um, but it was just a weird, weird team selection for me, AD. I heard that podcast with Colin. Oh, and, uh, thank you. I listened to that. Yeah, no, I, I, like I say, I... You know, the clubs that I played at, I respect the clubs and I respect the people behind who do the hard work and, you know, the social media and the podcast and that. So, no, I, I listen to every word of that. And, well, that is a mystery, isn't it? Let's be yeah. honest to this day. We'll, ne- we'll never get over that. But just, just going back to the quarterfinal for me, the Leeds game was brilliant. Yes. Absolutely love that. You know, quarterfinal, Ellen Road. Uh, We've all been to Ellen Road before. We know what Ellen Road can be like, yeah. you know, if, if, if they get their noses in front. And uh, Hans Sager saved a penalty, I think, uh, yes, that afternoon yes, yes. as well. And, um, From Hasselbank? Goal. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Jimmy Floyd. So, I think Don scored the goal. I think it was yeah. a great goal. Was it? Was Carl Robinson involved in the goal, I think? Yes, yeah. Carl Robinson played a part in the goal. I think the goal came in the 83rd minute on, on, on memory. And I know... Brilliant. There was a bit of a melee with um, Keith Curl and uh, Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank when Jimmy Floyd dropped the nut on him. That's right, yeah. There, there was a good melee, yeah. I think I think uh, I was somewhere in there. But, I mean, it, it was a brilliant day, brilliant day. Great result to get through to a semi-final. I always tell this story, Jase. I do, because, you know, in those days, obviously, it was a neutral ground. Now, you know, I had family that wanted to go to that game. It was like a home game. You know, we yeah. was playing at Villa Park. Yeah, I, I was mean, there. Whoever thought, whoever thought that one out, it was, you know, it was pretty yeah. good to, to the Wolves fans because it, it, when we came out and, you know, that end, it was the opposite end to the whole end. You know, the Arsenal were in, in the whole end. But yes. it, it, we come out right next to them by the dugout and, oh, it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. You know, as a kid, I think as a kid, when you're, I don't know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age, kicking a ball in the garden. You, you, in those days, because of the television and what the FA Cup meant to everybody, you wanted to play in an FA Cup final. You yes. know, you didn't think about Premier League, really, or First Division, as it was, or really even your country. You just wanted to play in an FA Cup final. And, you know, we were one away. But you know what, if I'm being honest, and I like to think I'm honest, we never really got... I know it was 1-0 to the Arsenal. They always won 1-0 in those days. But, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the, 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 the team selection will always be a myth, you know. And, and to this day, if I, anyone ever shows me any clips on social media, 
I'm actually looking at the bench and I'm thinking, get him on for Christ's sake. But yeah. It, it, it just wasn't to be. And I think Paul Simpson played. I remember I remember the goal, actually. Talking about Hans Sager's the, the um, applaudits against uh, Leeds in the quarterfinal. Yes. I think it may have been me, actually, just give him a little pass back for him to, to, to wallop, up, wallop it up the field. But he, he sort of shanked his clearance and it went into midfield, maybe... Petit or Vieira, and then I think it was Christopher Ray sort of That's got, right. got loose and scored. So it was a poor goal to give away, but although it was a poor goal and although we only lost 1 0, I didn't feel we were unlucky. Yeah, I mean, that, look, the frustrating thing, I was there, um, and when you've got a, a talent like Robbie Keane, um, you've always got a chance he could create something out of nothing. You've got Steve Ball, obviously, who scored at the highest level for England. He's always going to be a threat. And listen, this is absolutely no disrespect to Steve Claridge at all. But when you're in an FA Cup semi-final and you've got that array of goal-scoring talent, um, you know what? You're one step away from Wembley. You've got to give it your all. Tried and tested, really, isn't it? You know, when you're when you're the manager and you're going into an FA Cup semi-final, big games. You know, big players playing big games. Yeah. They might be quiet. You know, during I don't know fifth round or third round or a league game every now and again but you know what when the big stage comes they normally they normally turn it on and I think we had a couple of half chances now you know what if you give Bully a couple of half chances he'll put one of them away so yes. yeah, for me it's still a mystery you know thankfully I don't pick the team and that's the reason why I didn't get sacked you know at the end of the day managers get sacked I don't feel sorry for managers when they get sacked I sympathise yes. with managers because of injuries suspensions and particularly in the modern day I think maybe people are selecting the team from above and agents and super agents who are involved but you know I don't feel sorry for managers they get paid well they get a nice check and a pat on the back when they go uh, but I, I I'd be interested in this because I've never spoke to, to Mark about that why he went with that maybe he was going with an element of surprise but do you know what it didn't surprise the Arsenal back for it surprised us more I think well I think that's it I mean you know like I said you've listened to Colin's podcast and Colin was like you know um, I can't remember the thought process behind it at the time he was quite honest but he did say you know we did we did think we'd hit them with an, an element of surprise but you know it, it, listen it's it's history now it's just such a shame you know falling at that hurdle um and and, and for you then ad you know 98 99 one appearance 99 2000 one appearance the frustrating thing is here over 200 appearances for reading then uh it was wolves and what what should have been a dream move when you went back to reading once again well over 100 appearances and like you said you clocked up nearly 400 appearances for reading it's just a shame that that four years sandwiched in the middle, what should have been the absolute peak of your career, was <laughs> ravaged by injuries. Yeah, and and that's it, you know, and I'll never be able to change it. And trust me, if if, if I could off, I would off. I, I, you know, my rehab and the physios were great. We had two full-time physios and we had a, if I remember rightly now, we had a gym above the dressing room, sort of in the building. Yeah, yeah. Sort of adjacent next door and Mickey Stowell, was always in there because he was the fittest goalkeeper I think I've ever, ever come across in my life. And, you know, he'd go training and he'd come back and I'd say, Stanley, what are you doing? And he'd say, oh, well, I'll have a run or on the stepper or whatever <laughs> it was. I'm thinking, well, you've done your work, Stanley, but, you know, and we'd be doing boxer size. Because Tony Daly got injured literally on the same day, the same trip as me. And, you know, Dale's had problems with his knees. I, I had problems with mine. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things. It, it will haunt me forever. And like I say, regret, absolutely. If anyone says they've got no regrets, good on them. But, you know, I, I've got plenty and, and, and that's one of them. And, of course, you know, ironically, would you believe, Jace, you know, I ruptured my other knee as well. So I've done both my um, ACLs. I've got two screws in my knees and do you know what I'm fitter than I've ever been it's incredible I'm I'm running like an absolute madman I'm like Forrest Gump I can't stop running at the moment so brilliant know, yeah so although in those days I struggled to put my boots on but you know thankfully yeah, as I say I've, I've got two children a boy and a girl and you know I was always lucky enough to be able to fit enough to, to kick a ball in the park with them and and run with them and sports days with them so yeah. although it was a huge regret you know what the bigger picture we're all okay, mate. We're all okay. Of course. And back at Reading, obviously, you were, I believe you scored early doors. You, you know, you were, initially you went back on loan, I believe. Um, mm. And then you, you, I think you scored within a week, didn't you? 
Yeah, when I went back, Pards was the Alan Pardew was the manager, yeah. and, and, and Reading had changed a fair bit. And my my disappointing bit at Wolves as well was, you know, when Mark and Colin fell out. And yes, I, like I say, I listened to, to to Colin's podcast, and and Cole's very diplomatic. Cole, yes, he, you know, he's a very sensible man, and you know. Uh, he very rarely loses it. Uh, well, certainly doesn't lose it now. But, you know, back in the day, there was a few teacups flying around. But, yeah. you know, he, he's pretty calm and, you know, he had his take on it. But it was a shame for me because you've got to remember, I knew them when it was all smiles. And yes. We, we were winning and McGee was a manager and Colin was his assistant. And, and that was it. And they got on like a house on fire. And it was good vibes and it was great seeing him. And I go in the office speaking for the lads as the captain and we sit down we'll have a beer with them in those you know and the hotel whatever it was it was good days good times they were good friends big buddies and then it all went sour so you know that wasn't a pleasant time for me i guess because you know what it's like jason you've got two mates there yeah, and yeah. one of them's falling out with the other one do you take your side do you take your, do, you, do you do you leave them both or do you just carry on you know pretending nothing's happened it was it was a little bit awkward but and it's a shame because they they never got over it. They no, never and got over it. Colin did say that. It was quite interesting, the fact that he did try and speak to Mark a few weeks after. Um, and, and Mark didn't take his call. And then he said, through the course of football, you play fixtures and, you know, you bump into each other. But it was never the same. And that is a shame because um, football's a short career as it is and you make your friends. And, it, you know, it is difficult because they had a great relationship, a good dynamic to it as well. And I think, listen... When Mark got the sack, I think we almost all expected that Colin was going to go with him, but they give Colin the job. Um, yeah. What was your relationship like with, with Colin, AD? Well, it was great at Reading. Trust me, it was brilliant. You know, like I say, I, I was the captain and we had fun and utmost respect from, you know, for me to Cole because he was a very good player back in the day yes, and he, yeah. unbelievable coach, Colin. Unbelievable coach, Colin. You know, and sometimes we've seen it haven't we with people that go from number two to number yes. one and it doesn't quite work out they then get the sack and there's nowhere to go then you can't go back as a number two so yes. I don't know I mean Colin didn't seem to regret anything but you just you just wonder had it been dealt with differently whether in hindsight because it didn't work out for Cole maybe had he left with Mark they would have got another job I'm sure oh. because 100%. They were successful at Reading and they were Leicester and, you know, they were a good team. They were a good partnership. But the dynamic changed when Cole took over. And, and listen, I, like I say, I, I, I like the gentleman. I like him a lot and I respect him totally. But I think almost like the damage was... I don't know whether it, he felt they had to get shot of me. Listen, anyone would have got shot of me. If I was a horse, I would have been shot, you know, in, in fairness. <laughs> because... And I had no qualms with that. But, you know, my appearance ratio was, was awful. I was on the treatment table most of my time at Wolves. So he was going to get shot at me. I, I knew that. And yeah. it, the, the ironic thing was when when he did get shot at me, we sort of, we didn't fall out, but there was a little bit of friction. I guess there were ways is at the time, even yes. if you know the writing's on the wall. But he actually, when he was the Millwall manager, he, um, from nowhere, actually, I didn't see, he rang me up and said, look, I, you know, we're struggling. Can you come and do us a job? And I really enjoyed playing for Cole again. You know, back in, you know, it was like turning the clock back and we were struggling at the time at the new den and uh, we, we sort of turned it around. So, listen, life is too short to bear grudges. Football is a business. And, you know, there's, I remember at Reading when I was coming to my end of my career at Reading, there was a certain Ibrahimo Sonko that was sat in the dressing room that Steve yeah. Coppel would sign from Brentford and, you know, it took him 18 months to get my place, but he was always going to get my place. He was fitter than me, he was stronger than me, he was younger than me and you know what, the rest is history. He's, you know, a legend. They they got the 106 points in the championship. Yes. He played in the Premier League, so it's a conveyor belt football. You've got to accept it. You know, players come, players go, managers come, managers go. You can't get personal. And do you still, I mean, what, what have you done since football, AD? Uh, do, do you still go down and watch Reading and are you still involved in any capacity? Yeah, I'm um, I'm contracted with the BBC, actually. So uh, I, I, I work for the BBC down south and, uh, yeah, I do all the Reading games. I present the shows. I don't commentate on the games, I must admit. I, I don't want to commentate on the games. I really enjoy presenting the show and, yeah. and uh, you know, the phone-in and the, and the 
the the uh, tweets and the texts they can get a little bit hot trust me at times <laughs> and, um, hey i know all oh, about social media eddie don't worry about that <laughs> oh social media yeah it is what it is that's the best way of saying it but it's a great tool from a job you yes. know and um it sparks a reaction. I'm just pleased for Reading. You know, this is a Wolves podcast. I'm not going to talk about Reading, hey, but no, that's what worry, I do. And, and this and this this season, it's been a good season so far for Reading, and it's been a long time coming because I don't know five of the last six years they've been looking over their shoulder somewhat. But this year we're in the top six as it stands, and uh, things are looking good for maybe a, ch- uh, a playoff place. But uh, yeah, no, I'm busy. I, I'm, I'm uh, you know I, I do sport. I'd be at Cheltenham this week for the BBC reporting on the festival. Yeah. If, we was allowed in it. Yes. You know, sorry. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, obviously, with the way things are, we can't do it, can we? No. And Royal Ascot is a big one for us down south. You know, we cover that. We're in Berkshire. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at Royal Ascot and the celebrities and the owners and the trainers and jockeys. So, so, so anything with a sport, local BBC, that, that's that's where I am. But obviously, we cover every Reading game live. So, uh yeah, I, 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 funny enough, I'm speaking to the manager next week. I've got an evening with uh, Valko Palovic, so uh, okay. I'm looking forward to that. I mean, just draw, just drawing a parallel to Wolves and Reading, um, obviously, John Medajski, um took control of the club, built that absolutely fantastic stadium that they're still in to this day, and it was very similar to Sir Jack Hayward doing pretty much the same, getting older Wolves and, and building an amazing stadium. So the clubs are quite similar, aren't they? When I signed, Jace, I, I went into the reception at Molyneux and uh, I think I actually, literally, one of my first days, now you'd have to do your homework on this, one of my first days at Molyneux was yeah. when they unveiled the Billy Wright statue because I remember the Beverly Sisters being there. Yeah, and yeah, there yeah. Was, you'd be right, yeah. Were, yeah, and that, that would have been my time and that was one of the first days I went to Molyneux and I thought, oh, I like a bit of this, a bit of razzmatazz. That's it. And, <laughs> and, and I walked in the reception and had some wonderful, wonderful people there. And unfortunately, um, a, r- a real character passed away in the last couple of weeks he as well. He has, Graham Hughes. Yes, oh, bless him. Oh, what a lovely man Graham was. That was sad. That was sad. What yes. a lovely man. Anyway, so to the left of me was the trophy cabinet, and I had a good look at that, and I made sure I did all my homework and the yeah. history and, and all that. And you know, it was a brilliant place, Molly, and he loved it. Like I say, there's lots, let's be honest, there's lots of good stadiums now, you know, in the championship. There's some big clubs in the championship. And, you know, the Molyneux and the Medeski stadiums are, you know, the norm in all fairness, yeah. whether it's Premier League or championship now. But, you know, 25 years ago, I, I loved Molyneux. I, lo- I loved playing at Molyneux. You know, um, I probably played there more for the away side than the home team, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But we, we had a good... We, we had a good good squad. Like I say, the balance might not have been right on the but There were some good characters there and some good individuals and some good people. Yes, and a huge, huge honour in your career. When Wolves signed you, you was already a Welsh international. 13 caps and one goal for your country between 94 and 2003. For you, AD, how, how proud is it to wear the colours of your country? Yeah, that, that's an interesting one, Jace, because you mentioned 13 caps, 13 starts over like a nine-year period. So I was pretty much involved with all the squads. Yeah, you know, but as a centre-half, as a centre-half, I was never a regular, you know. At the yes. time, they had obviously players playing in the Premier League, the first division as it was then or whatever, you know, the Premier League. So I was always included in the squad and you just can't take away that experience. You know, the journeys, the trips, the players you're training with, the players yeah. you're... I mean, I played Italy three times. I went to Brazil, played in Brazil. You know, I played uh, Denmark in Copenhagen. We beat them 2-1. I scored, Craig Bellamy scored. It was a brilliant night, you know. Um, So these memories, to play against Inzaghi, Del Piero, uh, Christian Vieri, Maldini, Buffon, you know, Rivaldo from Brazil, all these players, you can never take it away. You know, it's... it's, it's not that you go down the pub and, and, you know, tell your mates about it and brag, but they're just there and it's nice. And someone might say, what was it like playing for Wales? Did you ever play against uh, Germany? Yeah, I played against Germany, Klinsmann and Bierhoff. Oh, really? You know, and it's a, it, it, I'm proud of that. And my dad, bless him, you know, he's been dead now 14 years, I think, or there or thereabouts. You know, fluent Welsh speaker. You know, he used to love Ewan, Ewan Roberts. Yeah, yeah, big Ewan. Ewan, Ewan was a... 
a fluent Welsh speaker as yes. well. So every Saturday in the players' lounge, they'll have a chat in their, in their language and in their first language, if you like. And yeah, very proud. Williams, obviously, you know, we're from North Wales and my debut was against Italy at Anfield, I think. No, my debut was away in Tallinn, in Estonia. Yeah, I played right. right back. And you know what? I went down the right-hand side and I was never quick. Um, and I put a cross in and a certain Ian Rush scored the goal. And he came <laughs> running over to me and he sort of jumped on me and we sort of hugged, as you do, you know, kissed each other, whatever you do really? nowadays. And, and I thought, I'm not sure he's going to get any better than that. <laughs> but enough, it, it didn't. <laughs> It's all downhill from there. Um, yeah, it has to be, but uh, good days. And like I say, I've got a son who loves his football and, you know, I've got caps to prove it and, and jerseys and, and, you know, you swap shirts and everything. So, yeah, fun, fun memories. And, and did you, throughout your career, it's a difficult, most people answer this the same way, but did you see football as a job, AD? Uh Did I see it as a job? The only way I saw it as a job was I give it my all. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a job. You know, I'm getting paid good money in those days. Uh, it's all relevant to what players earn now. Good luck to them, by the way. I've got no problem at all what players earn. Because, I agree. You know, if someone wants to give it, I'll take it. Trust me. So, we got paid well and it was a job because we had to produce and we had to, it's a result business that's the only way I saw it as a job Jace because of the fans they deserve at the very least commitment and effort and passion so okay we all play poorly okay we all get injured you know strikers miss chances defenders give away penalties goalkeepers make howlers but if you give it your all if you give blood sweat and tears and fans aren't stupid they know if you do or you don't yeah then then you've got a chance. But everything else is not a job. How, how can you call a job going in a dressing room with 25 blokes and having a oh. laugh every day? And, and I'm getting paid to keep myself fit and, and chefs are, are feeding me the best food and the best drink and I'm in five-star luxury travel when I go to these hotels. You're actually selling it to me now, Eddie. I'm 43. <laughs> I'm 43 and I'm still dreaming of being a professional footballer. I think it's passed me by now. <laughs> no, never give up, mate. Never give up. So... Oh. It, it was a job because you had to, to perform and, and, and obviously, like I say, give it your all and absolutely give it everything you had. But, yes. you know, so much fun and it was brilliant, brilliant. And and you could enjoy it then. I'm not saying you don't you don't enjoy it now. I'm not saying you don't enjoy it. But, yeah. you know, there was no social media. There was, you know, there was a drinking culture. Of course yes. there was. But you could let your hair down, then. couldn't you? And I... I, I, I interviewed a Reading, a current Reading player, just very quickly, I interviewed a yeah. current Reading player yesterday. It's a perfect timing, right? And I asked him, I asked him to ex- describe to me what a four-hour journey on a Friday is like on the coach nowadays. <sighs> and basically, everyone's got their headphones on, yeah. they've got their uh, laptops open, they've got their music on, they're on yeah. whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. Card school, although there is an Uno card school, on the bus at Reading, apparently. Right. But he, he said afterwards, 15 years ago when he first started, uh, there was fish and chips and a crate of beer. And do you know what he said to me? He said, and, and even now, he said, I still miss that a little bit. Yes. And I thought that was so refreshing because I'm not bothered about the fish and chips. I'm not bothered about the drink. It was just, there was something there like at social and, and it was like just being on the coach and playing football with your mates. Yeah. And, yeah, so it's the best job any, any. well, no, I won't say that because, you know, whether you want to be a brain surgeon, a dentist, whatever it is, you know, if you think that's the best job, then good for you and you go for it. For me, the best job in this world was playing football. Oh, and you got to do it, AD. And, and finally, listen, you had a, a, a sustained career. It's a short career, not your career, it's a short career in general. But, but to, to, to play football as a passion and as a job, if you look back on that amazing career, what what memory sticks out in your mind, AD? What 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 memory puts a smile on your face? Uh, oh, good question. A few. I mean, in the Wolves shirt, the the FA Cup semi final, the quarter final, yes. you know, big days because Wolves fans so passionate and they were so desperate for for success and. You know, when you run out of Villa Park and all the gold and black balloons, like I say, it was a home game and Ellen yeah. Road was, was incredible. Um, 
sign him for the club. It's a cliche, but honestly, you know, I can't sit here and say that I was a, a boyhood Wolves fan when I was growing up because I wasn't. But when, when I heard that McGee and Wolves come in for me, Wolves, you know, was such a big club. And, you know, back in the day, Nottingham Forest when they won two European Cups in the 80s. And, yeah. You, you know, there's a lot of sleeping giants that have been in the championship for a long time. I think Nottingham Forest would be the prime example. And and, and Wolves was a little bit like that. You know, every year was another year. Oh, and every year was another so year. Close. So just signing for Wolves made me smile. I've got to be honest. And that was good. My, my debut for, for, for Wales, like I say, setting up Rushy and... Uh, coming over in Tallinn, we had a night out in Tallinn. That was quite a good night, trust me, Jason. Uh, <laughs> um, I bet it was. You know, I bet it was cheap booze. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The championship playoff final. Um, you know, I was captain. I was a young, twenty-one-year-old or something at the time for Reading, leading the boys out of Wembley in front of seventy odd thousand, whatever it was. Yeah. Scored a goal in that game as well. So you know, unfortunately, the result went against us. There's plenty of things that do, do you know what the funny thing is because i do these podcasts now jason okay uh, i the, the, the funny thing is when you interview people like footballers ex-footballers coaches managers they tend to remember the negatives more than the positives yeah and yeah you look back because they hurt more yeah. you know they, they hurt more and it's a shame because you've got a lot to be thankful for you've got a lot of you know if, if you spoke when, when you spoke about colin there wasn't there wasn't that much that Cole was really sort of saying, that was brilliant, that was brilliant, that was brilliant. But throughout his career, can you imagine the career he's had? He was brilliant. He was a fantastic career as a player and as a coach. Yeah. And All right, it didn't quite work out. So I think, you know, maybe we should focus on the positives and the good times more than talking about getting beaten in the FA Cup semi-final and talking about not getting into the Premier League, talking about getting injured. There's plenty for us to be blessed about. And we are blessed. You know, footballers are blessed to, to get the chance and to do what you love doing and, and, and to get ha- paid handsomely for it as well. Oh, and, and I take it, AD, you know, judging by your you, you response to the last couple of questions, um, I suppose it's always in your blood. Do you miss getting the boots back on? Uh, I did, I did, you know, obviously when you give up the first two, three, four or five years, you, you're yeah. still desperate to play because obviously you're watching a game of football and it's like a snooker player. I always think a snooker player, you know, you're a good snooker, top class snooker player is about four or five shots ahead, maybe even more than that. And when you watch football matches, your legs mechanically, you can't do it. You know, physiology catches up with your science aid. You can't beat it. You just cannot beat it. But you know, thankfully, my brain is still, you know, working in pretty good order and, and you can still watch it. And it still frustrates you because you think, if I was playing, I wouldn't have done that. Or I can see this happening. You should go over there a couple of yards. And yeah. you know, so it doesn't ever leave you. But to, like I said, Jason, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm running a lot at the moment. Uh, I, I go cycling with... Um, Nicky Forster, who used to play at Reading and and other clubs. Um, yes, Nicky Forster. Uh, I actually listened to him a, a podcast with Nicky the other day under the cosh. He's an interesting right. lad, isn't he? That's right. Yeah, so, you know, we're quite keen cyclists and there's a group of us, we, we cycle up the Pyrenees, which is tough, and we go running. And funny enough, I'm 50 in August. Can you believe it? I'm 50. I'm looking at you now on, on WhatsApp and I tell you what, you, 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 I tell you, you still look like you could still uh, still play, AD. Yeah, I look 60. That's what you're going to say. No, not at all. Not at all. I want to do a 50-mile run on the day before my 50th. So I'm calling it 50 before 50. I might do it for for the NHS because uh, obviously the great work they've been doing over the last 12 months and forever in all fairness so I'm, I'm, I've got to get up to 50 miles which you know is is a, is a long stint it's a long plod so I, I did 20 yesterday so I'm up to, to 20 I've got to get up to about 30, 35 and then I'll, I'll leave the adrenaline to the I mean, day before because uh, Listen I've got to be honest AD I'm not going to make this about me but I did a marathon and it was the hardest thing I ever did and and, mm. and it was just ridiculous. I can't even tell you the pain I was in. If you're talking well, about 50 miles in one go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm going for. But, Jace, do you know what? I, I love sports psychology, me. I, I really do. You know, the, the older I get, the calmer I've got, the better. I, I, I love seeing the psychology before, yes. uh, behind these great coaches and managers and, you know, in the men's game, in the women's game, whatever it is. And just something that you said there, you know, you sort of, Put yourself, it's not about me, and it was the hardest thing I ever did. You sort of, do you know what? You should be unbelievably proud of that. 
anybody can that can run 26 miles means you're mentally tough for me to, to even think about it the hardest step is the first one yes because often we put that first one off and then once you get going you're right but to think you know what i'm going to train for it i'm going to put the time in i'm going to be away from my family and it's hard work by the way training for oh, a marathon you, ridiculous. you know so you should be applauded, mate, so oh, good on you, because you're, you're mentally strong to do 26 miles, trust me. I'll tell you what the hardest bit was. I remember it was running around London, and the people cheering you from the pubs with a pint in their hand. <laughs> <laughs> Did they know you was a northerner? Being it, yeah, they wouldn't, have, they wouldn't have done it then. Um, I mean, AD, so it's all right, we're digressing a little bit. So you, you, you're up to 20. I mean, how is the training program going to go? Is it going to be 30, then 40, and then the big 50 on the day? Well, do you know what? I haven't really got a set program. I'm just doing what I want to do, and yeah, yeah I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get up to 35, Jace. I'm gonna get up to 35 because if you're doing a, a 26 mile and they tell you don't run over 20, yes. So, you know, I'm gonna do 35 miles hopefully, and uh, yeah, on the day, I'm, you know, listen, I'm not gonna break any records, but I'm not gonna walk it. I'm if I have to walk, or obviously. Maybe duck into a bush and go for a wee or have a You've got to do what you got yeah. to do because... Uh, yeah, or, you know, food, you know, obviously hydrate and whatever it may be, I'm going to stop, pause my watch, I'm not going to move and I'm going to go from there. So, uh, yeah, listen, I might, listen, I might not do it, but it's it's something that's it. I, I like things, goals in the diary, something to look forward to, whether it's yeah. a night out, whether it's a, a you know, a challenge and, and this, the Pyrenees... Add me on the knees, trust me. When I finished the Pyrenees, oh, I could have cried for England. I could have, honestly. <laughs> I, I, bet. I was so emotional and knackered, absolutely cream-crackered. And I'm sure this is going to be equally as hard. But uh, this one's hard for me because of my knees. That's the problem. Yeah, well, listen, AD, we're all behind you. If if nearer the time um, you want to get, get us the Just Giving link over, I'll, you know, we'll put it out and we'll all give you lots of support. Um, but, but finally, AD, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast today. Um, I'm so sorry that your time at Wolves didn't work out as you wanted it to. Um, but thank you, nevertheless, for representing our great club and you are always welcome back on the podcast. Very kind of you, Jason. Keep up the good work, my friend, because you know what? When we can't go to games and we can't do this and we can't do that because of what's happened in the last 12 months, you know, podcasts and social media, you need a connection with the club. Wolves yes. is a great club and I'm so pleased that you know, they've picked up again this season and, you know, they've got a great manager and they've got great players, but, and I'm not saying it to be kind or nice, they've got great fans and a football club is about fans for me, but thank you very much for having me. I, I feel a bit of a fraud, but I've done it now. Hey, listen, AD, we've had, a, we've had people who, I always say, listen, if you've put the shirt on once for one minute, um, you know what, you've, you've, you've lived the dream, you've played for our club and listen, I'm a supporter and I revere every player that's played for our club. So you are more than welcome of a place on this podcast. Much obliged, Jason. Top man. Thanks, Eddie.